I'm Leonard Nimoy. Join me for In Search of... An Artemis! Thank you, Mr. Spock. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of In Search of an <laughs> Argument. I am Jim Gentilly. I am in Silver Spring, Maryland. I am with my compadres, John Heinz in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Shelly Cumming in Indianapolis, Indiana. Peg Bennett in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I'm very excited for this particular episode because our very special guest is my good friend, Beth Shannon, who also lives in Maryland, and she is joining us. Hi, Beth. Hi, Jim. Thanks for inviting me. I'm very excited to be with you guys tonight. Well, then that makes up for the fact that Peggy doesn't want to be here at all. (laughs) Uh, We start our uh, episodes these days with top of mind. Beth, what's on the top of your mind? Well, part of it is I listened to your sci-fi podcast earlier today, and I have lots of questions for all of you about that. (laughs) Um, Well, we could talk about them tonight. Uh, Give us your top one. Yeah, give us your top line question. Well, I really appreciated the fantasy versus sci-fi. I had some of these questions myself. And I hate the DC versus Marvel because I'm like whoever it was that said, well, I like this movie from that, from DC, and I like this movie from Marvel. So I I'm just that was looking- our friend Shelley that said that. Okay, so I'm just looking for- you know, just some popcorn lightheartedness. And then I have to go read the book uh, John recommended, Hidden History of Burma, because I've been to Burma, so and it's near and dear to my heart. So I had lots of things to think about after listening to the podcast. So I'm excited to be here tonight. I love it that our guest is talking about the last episode of the podcast. We should that that's great. All right. Can I go who's next? next? Top of mind. Me. Sure. Egg. Egg. So on the top of my mind is Kind of like what Beth just said, I was um, first now the top of my mind is I'm so impressed, impressed that Beth listened to our last podcast. <laughs> and now I want to know what she was doing in Burma. Well, we're going to talk about that's <laughs> one of the things we're going to talk about in this episode, because this episode is about. Well, I'll, let's get back to that, because I well, oh, when boy. I oh, when boy, I get oh, to boy. that. But yes, that's very interesting. Peg, what? uh Beth, what were you doing in Burma? Real, what's the short version of what you were doing in Burma? Uh, so I lived in Thailand for two years, and I worked with the dissident Burmese labor movement. So I got to go to Burma and observe some of the projects they were running there. Shelley, what's on the top of your mind? So the top of my mind today is I got my MRI results from my back on oh. th- that I had on oh, Saturday. Oh, this is revised. Like there's a thread going through the yes. tops of minds. Yes. And Are you okay? I will live, but I have compression from L1 to L2, L2 to L3, L3 to L4, L4 oh to L5, and L5 to S1. Stand up. Don't sit, stand. Yeah, I've been doing a mixture of both. Some of it's mild, some of it's moderate. So my next step is an injection, which hopefully will help. So that's what's top of mind. I just got that. Don't they say yoga is supposed to be good for a bad back? Actually, I can't because they don't want me to bend and twist. Oh, okay. Okay, well, I I certainly do not follow my advice, follow your doctor's advice. (laughs) 
John, what's on the top of your mind? Uh, well, we're by the time people are hearing this, this will be over, so there will probably be more information. But what's happening right now in Chicago it was, I guess, international news because I'm getting comments from friends in places like Perth, Australia, about the violence that we've been having in Chicago with the looting and the gun violence shooting that's escalated recently. So that and the fact that right now, when we're recording this, they're shutting down highways and planning to reshut down down to all the exits from the highways to downtown. Chicago and lift the bridges over the Chicago River to make it more difficult for people to get around. And it's just raising, it's it's on my mind and it's mainly on my mind because I keep wondering, I keep assuming there's a link between this and the fact that like all the unemployment benefits have run out and people are probably feeling kind of desperate and there's stuff probably going circulating uh, with COVID that's making it worse, but I haven't heard any kind of good comprehensive analysis. So I'm thinking about that. What in the heck? What in the heck? Go ahead, Pig. And what the heck? When you say <laughs> Is that uh, what we're gonna do for comprehensive analysis? What the heck? So when you say friends in Perth, yeah. are you talking about our friend of the podcast, Richard T? <laughs> well, it's actually his wife, Mags, but yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's that family. It's a friend it's of a family. friend of the podcast. Got it. Yeah, it's a friend um, of the so I thought uh, for top of mind this week, I would go back to something we had done back in the spring, and that is do some COVID statistical updates. So as of today is August 10th. This podcast will drop on August 15th. As of four o'clock this afternoon, per the New York Times, over 5 million Americans have gotten infected by covid 162,816 deaths are attributed to COVID in the United States. The worldwide figures, according to the New York Times, are over 19 million, almost 20 million people infected, 731,800 deaths worldwide. The U.S., as of today, according to the New York Times, ranks eighth in the world in terms of cases per population. In terms of deaths per population, the United States ranks 10th. And there are some other European countries, Belgium, UK, Spain, Italy, Sweden, that rank higher in deaths per population, which is something that President Trump has been bragging about. However, (laughs) uh, if you look at deaths recently of those countries, all of those countries are way down the list in terms of the recent trend of deaths, whereas the U.S. remains near in the top 10 or near the top 10 in deaths per population. The other thing that's interesting in terms of deaths, of course, are a, are a lagging indicator, uh, uh, something that epidemiologists use as a leading indicator is the positivity rate on tests. So according to Johns Hopkins University, the uh, positivity rate in the U.S. overall right now is 6.89%. I thought it would be interesting to note that the state of Michigan, Peggy, has a 2.5% positivity rate. The state of Illinois, John, has a 4.1% positivity rate. The state of Maryland, which is where Beth and I live, 5.5%. And Indiana, Shelley, 9.0%. You need to work on that, Shelley. No, our cases are definitely (laughs) Um, going up. Right now, according to Johns Hopkins, the three states with the highest positivity rates, Washington State, Mississippi, and Texas. And where? Texas. Okay. So, Jim, what do you do with those numbers? People who are either desensitized to all this or are trying to maintain sensitivity, what's your takeaway? Obviously, that's the pandemic is a terrible human tragedy, a terrible and death toll. 
Go ahead. That's what's on the top of your mind. That's crazy. That's a lot of things on the top of your mind. I had like the pandemic isn't on the top top of of your mind. Oh, it sounds like Peggy is critiquing your interpretation of the top of mind segment. Uh, I think we're going to back up here and have a little meta discussion. John, exactly. That's a good point, Peg. I think that's reasonable. Okay, that's fair. Let me just say that the way I try to do it with stuff that is significant and important is to me is to try to get as much information about it. Not well, everybody Peggy's suggesting, I think, that our listeners would prefer a shorter piece. But do we agree with that? Because I might like a longer piece. I'm not uh, sure. I mean, that was really like a minute. So, I mean, it I wasn't that I thought top long. of mind was, yeah, just, it was just supposed so to be much like, information. What? This is what's on my mind. I had something different on my mind well, until I heard best top of mind. mind. Peg. Okay, that's fine. This is what's that's on what on I mean. Mind, Your Peg. brain I'm is sorry. large. <laughs> when I proposed the segment in my head, I was stealing from another podcast I like that does that does a top of mind, but they do it primarily as a news fix. So they do something that's in the news that's kind of that's in their in their space or they're thinking about the, the storyline that's emerging or something like that. But I, I like the idea that we go in different directions with it. Yeah, I think it's funny that that I mean we've gone in radically different directions. Next time I'll try to have something lighter for top of try mind. Try next week, Jim, do don't mm-hmm. fart in public. <laughs> My, <laughs> that's just it's not short and sweet. My favorite <laughs> is that John knew exactly what I was getting at when he said, I think it sounds like Peggy's critiquing your top of mind. That's exactly what I was doing. <laughs> Peg, I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know I got your number. I got okay. your number. So that's good. Well, Peg, as usual. Let's get to the to the heart of this podcast. And uh, I'm very happy that Beth is with us. She's my good friend. And I'm very excited about this topic because Beth shares something with my other friends, Shelly and Peg and John, which is that they're all, you know, fabulous careers and work very hard. But they also have been very successful at playing very hard. They all have done fabulous traveling and vacations, and they've been able to figure out how to both work hard and play hard, which is what we're talking about. So I'm very excited because I don't know how to do either one of those things. And I'm very excited to hear what the four of you have to say about it. And I'll start by asking Beth this question, and then I'll ask each of you the same qu- to answer the same question, which is, Beth, how do you balance working hard and playing hard? Well, I have to work hard so I can make the money to play hard. So that's one thing. I mean, I worked in international affairs for a while. So that definitely got me thinking more about uh, bigger trips and unplugging for longer amounts of time. And I also, I don't know if it's because I'm Irish Catholic or what, but I'm really good at compartmentalizing. So when I'm at work, I'm fully focused on work for the most part. And when I'm not at work, I really try to just not worry about work and focus on what I'm doing. But yeah, I mean, the key to it right now is having a job. And I'm also angling for when can I retire so I can play harder more often. How old are you, Beth? Is that (laughs) are we allowed to ask? Oh, yeah, I'm 55. So retirement somewhere in your future? Yes. It's, Near future? Um, it could be as soon as next May. Because uh, wow. like Jim, I work in the labor movement. So I've, you know, one of the few besides teachers, the few occupations that still have pensions. Ah, that's yeah. And I, I actually yeah. love Beth, the fact that you're saying yeah, that's you, you're you kind of are, are saying it in a way that I uh, are bringing up something I, I talk about all the time, which is that you either it seems to me when you're certainly when you're younger, you either have the time 
to travel and to do things that you want to do, or you have the money, but you rarely have both. Right. And I and especially if you're if you're if you've changed jobs a few times, and so and so I feel like the older I've gotten, the more I've had to fight that and say like, okay, I have time now. I don't have any money, but I have time. So right. you know, do it, even if it's maybe you know spend a little more money than I have, or borrow, or crimp, or save it. And when I and when and when I'm making money, like really, you know, try to save it because you know that it's going to come to the time where you're going to have the t- the the time but not the money. Exactly. No, but I've also, I went to Ireland in the summer of 92 in between jobs. I'd moved back from San Francisco and I didn't have a job. And I went to Ireland for 12 weeks on $1,000 and came back with wow. $100. So <laughs> I, wow. yes, yeah, so I mean, I definitely do, do the poor person traveling, but right now I'm much more about the hot shower and the comfortable bed and the air conditioning and Wi-Fi. Uh, you so you were staying in hostels in Ireland. Oh yeah, with yeah. only cold water showers. Peggy and I have done oh. that. Yeah, but Peggy yeah, has also but- gone to Africa and then had young men carry full vats of hot water to a tent so that she could have a hot shower in the <laughs> middle of the And carry her to the tent. <laughs> that was only with you, John, in our luxurious uh, safari vacation. But when I was living in Sudan, they actually had a drum, an oil drum of water always on a fire. And we would stick a bucket in it and take it or two buckets and take it with us to our shower. So we would do the sponge bath with warm water. It wasn't luxurious. The safari was luxurious, but the uh, Sudan stuff <laughs> but was. Sudan, but Sudan wasn't. But that was, I was, it was pretty lucky to have, I thought that was pretty lucky to have warm constantly. They kept that fire going 24 hours a day. So if you took a shower at two in the afternoon or nine at night, it wasn't the kind you had to pour it over your head if you wanted it to go over your head. But yeah, it was warm. Who, and who kept right, the shower going? The fire. Or uh, the fire going? Yeah, the local people, the guards, our guards of our compound, with wood kept it going. Or that was coal. one of their jobs. Yeah, with wood. Wow. Yeah, it was great to have warm. But yeah, I know what you're talking about well, when you're saying young men carrying it to our shower. So did you. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I just felt like attacking you. <laughs> I mean, this tent was over. This was an over-the-top vacation to the, to to Africa, where we literally would where we took planes, propeller planes, to the middle of nowhere to see the wildebeest migrating, and we and we literally had a tent that they imported into the tent a wood floor that they carried in for us just for temporarily for us a wood floor and chandeliers over the a chandelier over oh, the uh, oh my God. over it the was so dining decadent. room table it was it's so embarrassing it was so and decadent they made so you sure were they glamping. had bombay sapphire totally yeah, we were glamping. glamping it was before glamping was called glamping i think it was called rich <laughs> wow. person safari so cuz you certainly can't eat in africa without a chandelier over your head $1,000 for 12 weeks and you never did anything that earned you any other money? Nope. Wow. I did stay with my aunt for two weeks. Okay. So, So, I mean, so 10 weeks was hostels and hitchhiking and bus rides and things like that. But yeah. So, so Jim, that probably sounds like absolute hell to you. So would you count that as (laughs) playing (laughs) hard? (laughs) 
<laughs> Which part am, sounds like hell? <laughs> so, so here's the thing I'm thinking while I'm listening to you guys. You know, Beth has been to all these fabulous places, I know. And you guys are talking about safari. And I know Shelly's been all these places. And I'm thinking to myself, I've been to Lexington, Kentucky. <laughs> so, well, you've been on you the know, Bourbon Trail, then, if you've been to Lexington. No, and you've been to I've China? been to Lexington, Kentucky. I have been to China to visit John and Ted, so I'm very, I was happy about that. But other people, Beth, you've been to China too, no? Just Hong Kong. I was supposed to go to China this September, but that's been canceled, oh, obviously. That was, this, this, that was this year's trip. Yep. Oh, okay. How often do you guys travel? Beth, you travel, like you said, I think you were saying you, you have like a big trip like every other year. Is that what you were saying the other day? Yes. So that's my, what I do now, but I also, I Definitely make sure I always have a little travel savings tucked away and a valid passport because there was one year, this is like probably three or four years ago, I ended up on three international trips because the opportunities presented themselves and, you know, a free place to stay in Ireland for a week. Sure, I'll jump on the plane. So I definitely have one trip I look forward to, but I'm always ready for an invite to someplace. What constitutes a big trip? Like weeks or uh, money or yeah, two weeks. Um, I I go for two weeks to Europe and meet up with a friend who basically spends the whole summer there because he works in politics. So every other year he can take a big vacation. So last um, summer we spent two weeks in Spain, which was absolutely amazing. And we ended up having a ton of people join us. So we had 11 people meet us in Barcelona, which was also great fun. Oh, that's so fun. I know. Yeah, that so sounds my amazing. niece now lives with me, so she can take care of the dog. Um, but you're right; the dog factoring in dog care is another piece of it. Yeah, because that's a whole another like plane ticket. Yeah, were you the one who said on that last podcast that you were thinking of keeping a dog that you were watching? Is that you? <laughs> yes. That yeah. Was okay. And I just got done watching her again. I had her from Friday to Sunday and had to give her back last night. Yeah. Why? Perhaps. <laughs> Why do you ask? Perhaps, Shelly, you're ready for your own dog. I know. Uh, I just, I like the flexibility and the freedom of not having to worry about childcare, so to speak. Yeah, that's so, a valid point. Yeah. So that's why my life is conducive to a dog. I have a fabulous house and backyard for dogs, so I'm a great dog Shelly, it's really easy to handle. You, I mean, you just get a kennel or you get a friend. It's really easy. And there's websites even now. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John, it's oh. not that easy. It's Stop easy. It. And it's, it's easy. It's expensive to pay people to watch your so dog. Anyone who remembers yes. the very early days of this podcast, or when it was under a different name, I should say, that we had Beth Shannon on, and Beth and Peggy were going to talk about what it's like to be dog persons, and John and I were going to talk about like not having dogs, and that episode was aborted by technical difficulties. <laughs> but I think we did actually put up, publish a short version of that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. now we are back to the dog issue again. I would note here, but all right. Well, well no, I, think, I think I think it relates to working hard and playing yeah. hard. Yeah, it does. Who has Factor. a question? Beth, was I that do. you had Peggy. a question or Peg? No, 
Peg. It's Peggy. My question I, is okay, I'm sorry, to not Jim. To God, I'm really in bad stead with Peg tonight. I don't know. Again, my question is, so Beth talking about 10 weeks in Ireland with $1,000 and staying in hostels and having cold showers. I want to know, would you constitute that as playing hard or would, does that sound like hell to you? To me, that that is not something I don't think I, I – well, I've never done that and I don't think I would ever do that. I don't even think I would have done that if I were magically transformed back to yeah, being Yeah, but 25. I want to I amplify Peg's question. I think Peg, again, is making the point, Jim, of she's, I ask, again, critiquing the entire premise of the show, which is what we're <laughs> playing hard. And she wants you to justify what you mean by playing hard because in her head, if this is playing hard, you're on the hot seat. Beth taking 10 weeks on $900 in Ireland is probably not. But Beth had many other trips. Well, just another, I think, I'm not sure exactly how this fits into it, but Peg, you and Beth and John have all actually, for significant periods of time, worked overseas, right? Shelly, you have not done that, right? I have not, no. Okay, that's what I thought. Have had opportunities, But, but I have not. But And I think that's – I've never even come close to anything like that. I'm one of those people that probably would get in trouble with a lot of political type people in the U.S. because I'm one of those like non-border people. Like I don't get the idea of borders and like why – for example, my brother often said, why would you leave the U.S.? There's lots of places I haven't seen in the U.S. And I'm like, I just that may be true, but I just haven't even – don't think that way at all. Like that's not even close to my approach to anything. I just think I'm like – I. I mean, I just go places. So I've, I'm, and maybe, and I will, I will concede readily in this environment that a lot of this is tied into my white privilege. And that's why I probably am able to think of the world that way. Um, so I'm very aware of that, probably more now than I've ever been. But I don't really, you know, I don't, I mean, being working abroad to me, it's like not any different than working anywhere else. This is work. So I have, uh, after the, online dating episode <laughs> that we did a few weeks ago. Uh, I reevaluated my online dating experience and I'm doing it again now. Ooh. And I have encountered guys who say they like to travel. And then when I start to chat with them and say, oh, well, where have you been? 95% of the time they have the not left, left the US, <laughs> um, which, you know, I shouldn't minimize it and sound like an elitist, but I, I feel Just like, like John did when people, the mall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. When, when you say you, tr- I love to travel to me, I don't know it, it exudes and I'd like to hear Beth's perspective on this and pegs and everybody else's it exudes like adventure and outside and, Traveling the U.S. to yeah. me feels very safe. You don't have to yeah. figure out money. You don't have to figure out language, maybe accents. So I'm curious what others think about that. Yeah, it's a great question. Let's hear from Beth. Beth. Thoughts? Yes, I totally agree with you that I love the challenge of traveling overseas. And especially when I lived in Asia, I made it a point of going to almost every country I could get to over there. And I did not speak any of the languages. I mean, I spoke a little Thai and I understood a little um, Khmer from working in Cambodia, but it just, you it's this big adventure. You have to figure it out. Sometimes you miss the last bus. So then what? Or there's no ATM in the village. So do you have the right kind of money? And I, I really like doing that. That I know Jim is probably thinking that's like, 
his form of hell. But I enjoy, you know, trying new food, realize, I mean, the thing to John's point, I love traveling internationally because it's a nice reminder when I get fed up with the nonsense I see here, realizing that we're all have so many more similarities than we have differences. It's Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. just, I had a friend who was sitting in an airport, I think it was in Beijing and saw a mom trying to comfort a baby. And he was thinking of his wife who was home with their baby. It's like, we all we're, we're so similar. Like it's, Back to John's Burma point, too. I saw this a lot in Thailand, where it's 95% ethnic Thai and 95% Buddhist, and yet they're still trying to find differences. Mm -hmm. Are you from the north? Is your skin Mm -hmm. darker? Are you from the south? And so traveling is a way for me to really strike up conversations with others and think about some of my biases and assumptions and test myself. I mean, I'm not saying it's always easy. I've certainly, I had my wallet stolen in Portugal. I've missed buses. I've had things that could either be dumb luck or incredibly stupid, but it's all worked out and I'm always looking for another trip. Well, so Shan- so Beth, that's the, the, that's, that's the playing hard. I get that. What do you, what do you define as working hard? Oh, <laughs> Well, Jim will tell you, I hold everyone that I work with to an extremely high standard. I treat every dollar at the organization as if they're taking it from my personal travel account and is it really a necessary expense. I pay too much attention to people's comings and goings and if I think they're slacking off and then usually would go to complain to Jim about it. Um, (laughs) And he would just laugh at me. But no, so no, I... No, I think I actually told you you weren't allowed to actually hit anyone at work. Well, no, you that did tell a... me I wasn't allowed to hit anyone. <laughs> and I didn't. Just for, like, took, since this is being recorded, I did not hit anyone. To be fair, I, I, I said that if you anyone. really needed to hit someone, you should hit me because I wouldn't do complaints. So. Yeah, but my dad not... had his own business for a number of years, and so... So he and used it was... to hit people? <laughs> no, no, so it was named after him, so he instilled in all of us, I'm one of five, that, you know, your name is everything and your work ethic. And so I really took it to heart and just, you know, I am one of, I am a very lucky person that every job has led to another job. And I think that's because of my work ethic and just trying to do a really good job and represent the organization well. So yeah, I'm totally, I, I think I'm a much different person outside of work. I think I'm much nicer you're not to be just to be clear beth is very nice to people at work so she's being a little hard on herself thanks for the disclaimer Um, so are you working like 60 hours a week are you working it depends on the job so before like the plane started i used to travel a lot so then those are super long days and you know you could have you know, two or three trips in a month in different different time zones and still trying to get all your other work done. Things for me work-wise have gotten a lot easier because I work from home now. So I have no commute. I don't have to travel anymore. We've figured out how to do everything remotely. So it, this is in some ways for me, it's made work not Far as easier. hard. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, but it sounds to me like you're saying work hard, working hard. I, I'm kind of I was I'm looking I was looking to kind of extract from that kind of a definitional I, thing. I wasn't trying to and, take and, it and too I was going to say that the, the 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 working hard is basically like taking responsibility at work. Like people who are at work are like are like they're there and whatever role you're in, you're like you're taking on maybe more than just what you're assigned to do, and you're like you're like running with it. You're not just there. I'm here to collect the paycheck. I'm stuck here from nine to five, and you're like rather owning it and kind of exactly. taking responsibility. Yes. And that sounds very familiar. That's a, yeah. I, I, that's so. exactly what I had in mind when I had this because I think of all of you, it, and I, I'm not saying this. I'm not like being. I'm being serious when I say this. I I find all four of you very admirable, and I really do admire the fact that you guys have these. You know, you do all this responsible work, but at the same time, you do have done these great adventures adventures that I have not done and you've you've found time to do them and and enjoy them and have amazing tales to tell about them. So I'm going to say something that I don't want to offend you by saying this, Jim. I feel like the few that John, Peggy, Beth from what I know and myself might be open to more open to adventure, uncertainty, challenge than you might be. And that might give us these opportunities in a different way than the opportunities that you decide to approach. Would that be a fair statement or is that completely off target? <laughs> she's so diplomatic. I know. She's, ba- she's basically calling you a lazy. No, I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> no, no. You just have a different perspective. But I will say this. Many years ago, this is when I was in my 20s. So it was impossibly long ago. Uh, someone told me that they thought I sp- I had too much of my life I lived in my head. So mm. I think that's possible. That That's mm. sort of similar to what Shelley has said, is that a lot of my life goes mm. on in my head. That resonates. But don't you work hard? You seem to me like yeah. you work hard. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I have a rich inner life. But I, yeah, I was I suggesting like- that my inner life is richer than anybody else's. I was not. That wasn't what I was suggesting. Well, well, let, me, well let me jump in about Jim because I when, it, when when we were talking about this podcast and and Jim was talking about looking forward to it because he thinks that we all work so hard and play so hard. I of course was thinking like, well, what is he what is he seeing and what is he thinking about? Because mm-hmm. in my head, that phrase "work hard, play hard" was kind, is kind of a cliche from when I was when I was in college and maybe even after. But it was this idea that like, and, and in my head when I was younger, it was kind of an excuse for a lot of bad behavior. It was like, it was like, you know, it was the excuse to go out on Friday and drink too much. It was the excuse on Friday, on, on, you know, on weekends to take irrational trips that were, you know, probably not good for the environment and definitely not good for my pocketbook. And, and I know, and I know, and it's, and I, a big part of it, I feel like Jim, you don't, you were, while maybe the rest of us were out doing the play hard. I mean, you were raising three boys and you had this like, you have, you've had the entire, you've been like uber work hard in my head more than anybody I know, because in addition to having work, you were like also raising three amazing guys who, I don't know, just required a lot of attention, like an enormous amount of attention. I mean, three sons, who does that? And, uh, and I just, and my, so in my head, I'm thinking like, like the thing you didn't, the thing you're viewing is playing hard. I don't know. Like, that's why I I guess what we're talking mostly is about is travel, but I feel like the other part of it is something about like, I don't know, partying or something. I'm not sure what else playing hard would be that you're not doing, Jim. I have a comment. I think it's traveling mostly. Make it. 
No, I think that yeah, we're 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 saying play hard is travel based on the way Jim introduced everything. But Jim sees every movie that has ever been released. <laughs> he goes to every Broadway exactly. or not Broadway, but play. Exactly. Okay, this okay. is not how yeah. I envision this episode being. By the way, yes. I'm envious yeah. when yeah. I hear all the plays, yeah. the New York, the Broadway yeah. things that he yeah. sees. Me I mean, that's play. The New York that's Broadway play. thing. That's a relatively recent phenomenon. That's play. Yeah. Play. Yeah, but that's play, and you have a different sure. way, a uh, different play sure. than we do. And I think, <laughs> or, or some of the things we do, I think it's a valid avenue. You just, you just look at ours as a different way than you look at your own. I think exactly. I mean, for me, the the entire for, for me, I I just I I'm not. I feel like if there's anything in my life right now, I actually work hard, play hard does not resonate with me right now. Like for me right now, I. But I don't you know have if it's a because I have a baby, child. right? Yes. But the idea of being balanced to me, and I, I feel like I would have done this when I was younger had I had access to it. But it's like I want to spend more time. I don't know, like d- doing inner life stuff or being just. I, it, I, I feel like I spun my wheel so much in so many ways, and and I feel like that's what so many of us do. And I also feel like it's kind of a classic American rat race mentality that i just despise you're talking about the working well, I, hard or the and playing I also hard think, Both. i think john played hard in a different way than the rest of it well I, I can't speak for beth and i can't speak for jim <laughs> but i do know that john played hard in a way differently you were a than witness to some I of his hard, hard playing yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the gay community plays very hard in a certain way, just in the sense that, you know, I mean, some of and the stereotypes about like, okay, gay you've done that. male income of, of availability is part of it. But then, I mean, I just also think, yeah, I just, I've, I have done it. I mean, I think it's very different culturally. It's like you've done it and you're happy not to be doing it anymore. It's, you're raising a son and married and you've got a different, this is a different kind of I don't know if you'd call it play hard with a chicken coop and taking Well, so I know if we're just getting older. Well, so that's what it is. So, right. I'm asking myself the question. Is it just or all of us? Is it just getting older? Is it just getting older or is it actually a fair criticism and a critique that I could say if I were able to go back 40 years, 30 years, would I change it? And do it differently, and I and and it's it's a very interesting question. Would you go back if you could go back thirty years? Would you do it differently? Uh, yeah, I would do more no. play hard. Yeah. No, I think I, I always know. had the the right balance. I mean, I yeah, I think I don't have a lot of regrets in general. Yeah, I don't know that if I I could have because I didn't have the resources and the flexibility that I do now. Uh, and I've had the last few years. So I don't know that I could do it any differently than I did. If I you had, would you wanted to have done it differently, Shelley? Yes. Yes. I would have traveled earlier, longer, and more often. You guys don't yeah. literally mean there is nothing in your life you regret. There is literally no. not a moment in your life you regret, right? I mean, no. Oh, there's there's a couple things, but there's not a lot. But I basically, I'm, I'm going off what Beth said about it. I don't have a ton of regrets, but I do wish I would have started playing hard younger. I'm grateful that I started when I did, and I attribute that a lot to uh, meeting John Heinz. But like, even in college, I was such a good the devil kid. serpent. Uh, yeah, John I mean, I wish yeah, I. Yeah, that's true. I wish I had a little bit more fun in college. Not that I, I mean, I How would look back you and say, "How old were you when you met John, Peggy?" 
How old um, were you when you met John? How old was I when I met John? I think I was probably 26, 27 years old, maybe 27 or 28, somewhere around there. So in other I'd words, when you really say you wish you'd started younger, you wish you had like in college or something, right? Yeah, I wish I met. I wish I dated more people. I wish I went to more parties. I wish I, you know, I wish I did a little bit more. But I really don't. I truly don't have any regrets. But you know, when people say they take a gap year or they traveled abroad their junior year of college, that would have been cool. I could have done that. I just that wasn't on my radar. My radar was you go to college, you get a job, and that's what I did, which is fine. I would agree. But it would have been cool to do a junior year abroad or something like that, like it, everybody does now. And, and maybe John, did you back did then, that, but I right? just didn't know people oh, yeah. who did it. Oh yeah, greatest thing I ever did. One of, the, I mean, the first, I mean, yeah, that it, that ignited the whole thing. <laughs> living abroad, living abroad at nineteen changes everything. Yeah, it's yeah, that's it's. It's it it's an it makes the addiction for those of us prone to the who have the the travel gene it ignites it. John, that so was Beth, your first I'm time curious. out of the United States. Good question. I think so. I think so. I don't think Do I you guys the rest then. of you remember your first time out of the United States. I went to Canada in eighth grade on a field trip. <laughs> okay, let's say we don't count that one. What's the next time out of the United States? Me too. <laughs> the hard border was not yet in place. Yeah, was it Stratford upon Avon? <laughs> no, we went to Quebec and Montreal, um, but it was. Uh, I was excited. I was in eighth grade. I grew up in so, a small town so in Connecticut. I thought. What it was, was a big the deal. next time you went abroad overseas? The next real, Kathy. the real place. <laughs> yeah, oh, when I went to Ireland for the summer. And that was—is that the trip you're talking about? Where you went for twelve weeks on? Yep. Five dollars. That was your first overseas <laughs> trip. Wow, yes. that's exciting. That's pretty intense. What about you, Shelley? My How first overseas trip go? was Ireland also in 1992, but in wow. October. Yeah. So you I were like Engl- in one of those fancy cars not picking up Beth as she was hitchhiking <laughs> exactly. down. Ooh, a hitchhiker. Go. <laughs> drive faster. How, and uh, so it was, uh, you're a little was, bit younger than Beth. So, yeah, but, we so went what to were England, you doing over there? England and Ireland. It was my honeymoon. So uh, it was amazing. So that was the first trip. And I was 24. And Peg, what was your first trip abroad? Shelly, I thought you went to Turks and Caicos for your honeymoon. No, that was a later. That was the next year or the following year. No, Ireland oh, okay. did Was it with the same and, guy or a different guy? Or It was my eighth husband. We went to Turks and Caicos. <laughs> <laughs> I it think was my first What was your first trip abroad? Over... <laughs> I think it was, uh, I went with my dad and my mom and my brother on a business trip to the Bahamas. Does that count? I was a sixth grader. Well, how old were you then? Oh, but what about like first trip, like not as a kid, but as a sort of adult? Oh, by myself? Or or with other people, could be. Shelly didn't go on a honeymoon by herself, I don't think, right? I should have. As an adult, just that's No bitterness um, at all, Michelle. Uh, no, it was good. There's no bitterness or regret. <laughs> I guess I would, I don't know. I guess maybe I went to Puerto Rico with some friends from the University of Chicago in 96. But I felt like I that doesn't that really trip. count. You weren't there. Why doesn't it count? I don't know. It feels like it doesn't count because it was a, 
an all-inclusive and we never left the resort and I could have been in No, but you Florida. went. I, I didn't go, but you. Well, what's I the think first one somebody... that you think counts, Peg? It's subjective. What's the first one you think counts? Mm, man, I don't know. I went to Spain as a high school senior with my Spanish class. Does, I think that counted. But that's a, that's a class trip. Yeah, right, but that counts. More, oh, as an adult, more as an adult. Oh. Yeah. An adult. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe when John Hines exactly. and Tom McGrath and Adam and Lang and I were sitting in the pub and they said, hey, the fairs next weekend in Ireland are two for one, 250. Should we go? And we booked it that night. So everybody John goes has... to Ireland for their first overseas <laughs> yeah. trip, apparently. John like, called this travel Actually, it's agent. interesting. I have never been to Ireland, by the way. So It's actually the only place that I've uh, hitchhiked as well, Ireland. You I never hitchhiked, hitchhiked in the U.S.? In no. Thailand, too, because we did miss the last bus and we had to hitchhike to get back to the town. So you say we, so you were with other people. That's one of the questions I was going to ask you, Beth. Have you done any of these trips just solo or have you, have you always had a friend to do oh, these things? I traveled things? a lot solo. Oh, um, yeah. And a lot of the travel through Asia was solo. But on this particular trip, we were I was traveling with a friend of mine and... We went out to the western part of Thailand to go see the um, Hellfire Pass, where the they was during World War II, and they cut the passage for the trains to go to Burma. And Ooh, interesting. Yeah, and we went to the museum and saw everything, and then we were going back up the hill to get the bus, and the bus flew by without us on a Sunday night. So I went and asked the guard, uh, when's the next bus? And he said, not till tomorrow morning. So I turned to my friend and said, all right, we have to hitchhike. And he was like, we can't hitchhike. That's not safe. I'm like, well, what's your solution? Like, there's, <laughs> we're in the middle of nowhere. He's like, we can't hitchhike. I said, well, I'm going to hitchhike. So if you want to stay here, I can hitchhike and then go hire somebody and come back and get you. But, and so his chivalry kicked in and he wasn't going to let me hitchhike alone. And so then we, a guy picks us up in his pickup truck that's filled with homemade brooms. And in Thailand in the early 2000s, you still had vendors that sold one item. So this guy was a broom salesman. Cool. So my friend is freaking out that there's drugs hidden in the car and we're just the <laughs> decoys. And, all. and I was just like, you got to give it up. Like, yeah, we, yeah. sure enough, we get back to the town we needed to get to. I tried to offer the guy money. He wouldn't take any. We were perfectly safe. And that's what my experience traveling through Asia was. Did you at least buy Asia a was. broom from him, Beth? <laughs> <laughs> he, I, like I said, we tried to give him money. We, you know, he just was happy to drop us off. And, you know, and again, I think, you know, with the Buddhist country, a lot of it's about making merit. So I think it was, you know, he was thinking I did a good deed. So maybe now I'll sell more brooms or something. But yeah, I traveled a lot. I traveled um, to Laos by myself. I traveled to um, Cambodia by myself all the time because I was working there, but like went up and hired a motorcycle taxi for three days to see all the temples up at Siem Reap. Spent several days in Vietnam with by myself before a friend joined me. Yeah, so I have no problems traveling by myself. I, I kind of enjoy that aspect of it too, because then you don't have to coordinate with someone else about when they're hungry or if they want to go see another church or museum or 
garden or whatever you're interested in. It's kind of nice not to have to negotiate all that stuff. Beth, follow-up question. So you said you hope to retire as soon as possible, which could be as soon as next year. Do you have some big trips? Like, you know, COVID aside, are you hoping to do some lots of travel? Are you going to be financially set up to be able to do that kind of thing? 55, 56 is pretty young to be retired. Are you going to do some other (laughs) job? I got a lot of questions. And yes. what can you tell Peggy to do to make that happen for herself? Peg, why don't I just give you Beth's telephone number? You can ask her as many questions as you want. So um, that's exactly what I'm trying to figure out. I will meet what we call the rule of 80 for our pension plan next May. So at that point, I could retire. But I'm actually talking to a financial advisor and trying to figure out what it would all look like. And, you know, could I still pay for the house and the dog and all those things and travel, of course. So I might end up working another couple of years, potentially full-time, but I am looking at transitioning to being a consultant uh, for the grant that I work on. And I've talked to my boss about this because he's also trying to figure out his retirement and we just want to make sure we leave our organization in good hands and have a succession plan and all that. But Jim is the one who told me back in, I want to say it was like 2007 or 2008, oh, I figured out your retirement. You can retire in May of 2021. So that has been seared in my brain since then. And uh, to, it to seemed be fair, really, I wasn't really... Being, that wasn't as weird as it <laughs> sounds Jim. because at the time, <laughs> I was the director of human resources at the place we worked. And we were in the process of figuring out everybody on the staff's retirement thing. It was sort of a thing we were doing to look into, you know, just when, who was eligible to retire when. So it wasn't like I was just sitting around trying to figure out when Beth could retire. But I did. Although you might do that for fun on a Saturday night. Yes, he might. (laughs) If Beth asked me to, I probably would. But I think it would be a little weird for me to go around doing that. But uh, so it wasn't quite a weird, like, Jim is being crazy thing. It was more. But it seemed so far away. And so now it's sort of remarkable that it's here. And yes, the at the time, I... I thought you thought it was depressingly far away when I yes, told you that. Correct. <laughs> correct. But I've always wanted to go to New Zealand. So my plan is when I do retire to go to New Zealand for at least a month. So that is my big retirement trip I'm planning. I, now, obviously, we have to see when Americans are allowed to go anywhere ever again and if it's safe to do that. But my friend that I go to Europe with every other year, next year is supposed to be the 2021 year. So it's supposed to be the year for that trip too. So I might end up postponing New Zealand. And if it's safe to go to Europe, just instead of going for two weeks, maybe go for a month. But that but is you my... will get to New Zealand. That's... Oh, I'll definitely get to New ever Zealand. Ever since yes. I've known you, that's been your number one gotta have travel thing that you haven't done. Peg and Shelly, I was going to ask, have you guys done a lot of traveling alone yourselves? I have traveled um, once completely by myself to Spain for a week. And that was awesome, invigorating. And sometimes when I've traveled with other people, it sometimes feels alone because they haven't traveled before. So you are that person. (laughs) Um... Uh, but it's always an adventure. It's it's fun. <laughs> Peggy? 
my travel alone has mostly been in transit to places. And then if I'm somewhere, like I had a night or two nights in Nairobi just by myself, then I, you know, I roamed around or Frankfurt by myself or Berlin by myself. And they were only just Places going where she tries somewhere. to pass fake $100 bills. <laughs> yeah. It was just going somewhere else. So it wasn't truly a trip that I took totally just on my own. And I have a follow-up question to Jim because I think he's trying to deflect <laughs> the attention away from him. And I want to know if he <laughs> has any regrets. By the like, way, does he I think wish that he... most people who actually listen to this podcast would say that is the least of my problems, Peg. But go ahead. Yes. So do you wish you would have done? I mean, you're, you're, you're very kind to talk about this topic with us because it's a topic we love. But what about you? Do you wish you would have done more of these things? Do you have any desire to, to answer- do them? Yes, I wish I had spent more time traveling. Uh, I wish I'd spent. I wish I had gone overseas more. Uh, yes, and I want to say, plan Peg, to do that I now? very. You can still Jim do was it. supposed to go to London. I was supposed to go to. Uh, we were supposed to go. Uh, me and two of my kids were going to go to England this summer, actually, but that obviously got changed. So we'll hopefully we'll get to do that at some point. But I was also going to say, Peg, it's not. I really enjoy. There's nothing I enjoy more. And listening to you go, you three guys when you're talking about your travels, and also lo- listening to Beth talk about her travels, which is really what gave me the idea of putting the four of you together because I I genuinely enjoy hearing the various tales that you guys have to tell about your experiences. So it's not in any way a kindness as much as I really enjoy listening to you guys talk about this stuff. Maybe it's my vicar. I'm living vicariously through you guys. Well, I have a question for everybody. Um, I, I, uh, the, the, and maybe I'm overblowing the use of this word in French, but there's a word in French that I like called métier. And it's a kind of a crossover word that contains a lot of different English language ideas. Like, so métier would include kind of what you do for a living it could also be known as what your calling in life is, but it could also be your most positive character trait or the thing about you that makes you most distinct as a person. Or it could also be something you love the most, something kind of a, um, a, a way of being or a way of doing like travel or something you love. That's your métier. You say, my, you know, my métier is, and it can be any one of those. And you, you usually say what your métier is. So like, I'm curious what each one of you, what you would say your métier is. And I think it's important for this conversation. I'll give you a second. To, I'll I'll give you a second to think about it because I think it's important for this conversation because I I, th- I think that the idea of working hard, playing hard, or the idea of travel, or I, I, I the idea of having a balance between what you do for money and what you do for pleasure is very much tied up in that word because it's because maybe maybe you do love your work and you know and then travel's just this bonus thing and that's the thing you're going to focus on for your major. You say, well, you know, my Métier is really you know like legal work or something or my métier is is uh is um you know making gelato or my métier is um you know film 
uh, you know, analyzing film. I mean, you and those could all be those. Any one of those could probably could probably fit into it. It's a very it's a very broad term that kind of opens up where you are, and I think it also is a good guide for what people tend to where they people tend to be. So I'm curious how each one of you would define yours. Okay, John. Before you do that, let me just cl- help clarify. Here are the three definitions of métier that the dictionary oh, offers. Good dictionary like definitions. Trade, fun. profession, or occupation. That's number right. one. I don't yeah. think that's the one you're really trying to get at. It could this, be. I, I, this I think is closer. The second and third ones I think are closer. An occupation or activity that one is good at, and the third one is an outstanding or adva- advantageous characteristic. So I think you're talking mostly about numbers two and three, right? Sure. I mean, it could be one. If you if you say one, if you say your job, that says something about you. So I'm just kind of curious how you find it. Because I would never, if you ask me about Métier, I would never say it's any job I've ever had. So you wouldn't it's, say your Métier is sure. teaching. <laughs> yeah, so no one answer to that would be your, I mean, your Métier is being a and teacher. And I've done a lot of different things, but I would never say any one of the jobs I had or okay, even well, the careers John, I've so had. Let's start by métier. having you answer the question for yourself before Well, you know, we it's answer. funny. I don't, I don't have a great answer for it, but I think probably my Métier is something like bringing people together or having fun like that's kind of you know like or be, you know going on adventures trying new things that's probably my metier i think that one of the things that is an outstanding characteristic of you and one of the things that you're very good at is you are good at igniting infectious enthusiasm among people or hatred Jim, well said. Infectious enthusiasm among people. My metier is making. John is the kind of person who gets people excited about something. Oh yeah, right. Whether it's bullshit or not, gets them engaged. Yeah. (laughs) Most of the time, it's not total bullshit. My metier is making gelato. Come on. That was such a weird example. No, it wasn't. John. You saw that that Netflix show, that documentary, G- Jiro Saves the Earth, or whatever, about the about the sushi maker in the the subway in Tokyo, and that's his whole life is making no. sushi. It's his mate. No, I did not. I didn't see that. Oh, it's great. It's it's my sister Mary's favorite show. We got the point. Yeah. Peg, what Sorry, is your Peg, making fun of me? I have to defend myself. No, John, this is where you shouldn't defend. Don't be defensive when we make fun of you. That's don't do that. Mine's in the same light as John's. I'm uh, I'm a good uh, I'm a good at bringing people together. I'm good at like instigating activities. I was going to say instigator is a good word for you, Peg. You're an instigator. It's not a job for sure. It's um, yeah. But you're proud of the work you do. Sure, I am, but I'm not. I don't excel at it. I could do better. You do important work. You do important work, and you're proud of the work. I do, you, as you should. Be. I do, but I could do better, and yeah. I could do. I could work harder, and I could. I get Couldn't more satisfaction all, out of my always do personal. Better? I get more satisfaction out of my personal relationships than I do. So, out what's of your my professional life? She said she's an instigator. Um, got it. Similar to you, making gelato. Yeah. <laughs> For your friends, so good. friends, when you bring them together. Shelly, what's your métier? I feel like I have a métier in my professional life and then a different one in my personal Ooh, she's life. Ooh, got two. Does that work Ooh, or does that yes. divide? Give us the, two, okay. Shelly. It's like when Peg has no recommendations and you give two. That's what. <laughs> I help make up for her weak weakness. I, I think in my professional life, my métier is um, helping people develop professionally 
and advance in their careers, giving them um, insight and perspective on ways to make that happen. I think I'm pretty good at that. And in my personal life, um, I think my MATA is hosting and having fabulous parties, which goes along with bringing people together. But yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. I like that. I love it. Well, I I think John's question sort of shows why we were the people Jim was thinking about for this question, because I'm definitely, I see myself as a connector and organizing the events or suggesting, hey, why don't we go do this? And, you know, like I said, we, with one friend, I planned going to Barcelona and then on to some other cities in Spain, mentioned it to other people, and we had 11 people show up. So I definitely, I, I think that's kind of, I like to make connections with people and bring people together that um, I think will appreciate each other. Uh, and once I met John through Jim, I was totally hooked there. So it's uh, I can't wait to meet the others um, and have some gelato. <laughs> By the way, Shelly, when you do get married for a night time and you want to have someone plan the wedding reception, Beth is one of the greatest planners of all time. But we have another mutual friend, uh, Laura. She and Beth could on three days' notice plan a presidential inauguration and pull it off. Wow. I mean, they're That's amazing. quite a skill they, I'm, set. I'm not That's even exaggerating. Sweet. That's it's true. Great. They are like they, – they, to- they can organize – they can bring order out of chaos. I'll keep that in mind for number yeah, nine. Wow. To, uh, to misquote Nietzsche. I can bring chaos can... out of order. Yes, John, that's exactly <laughs> yes, right. You can. But it's fun chaos, right? It's like, hey, Jim, it's... what's your metier? I think that, uh, I think on occasion, I am, I have helpful to people sometimes in analyzing or figuring out their problems. For Other sure. People. That is Not absolutely myself, for but sure. Other people. Yeah, exactly. Not yourself. Others. Yeah, exactly. That is right on the money. No, that is absolutely true. All right. That's a good now that we've what all you do. Congratulated ourselves. <laughs> Why don't we recommend some fabulous things for our for our listeners? Who would like to start okay, the recommendations? Like for- Beth. I would like to go first. Okay. Peg wants to go first. Go, Peg. Um, Over for, our guest. Well, yep. For lack of <laughs> having anything fantastic to recommend, I am going to recommend working hard and playing hard. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, I'm not sure that counts. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you had to That's... go first because you were afraid someone else would use it if you got there. You didn't get it. <laughs> Who wants to go? Beth, now would you like to go? Sure. So I have a book recommendation, The Island of Sea Women, which is amazing by Lisa C. And it follows these, it's fiction, but it follows uh, women who lived on an island in Korea, and it starts during World War II and ends recently and follows these women who were free divers. So they would dive without any equipment or gear in freezing cold water to harvest the sea and support their families. And it's absolutely a stunning book. And then Jim and I both just finished watching The Alienist, which I also think is 
was extremely well done. The so second, two recommendations. The What's second that? series of The Alienist. It's based on uh, Caleb Carr had written some. Well, go ahead, Beth. You explain it. It's your record. Yeah. So Caleb Carr had written um, at least two books about an alienist in New York City. And an alienist was the terminology they used for doctor of the mind back in the late 19th century, Jim. What time is it? Uh, the or- first uh, uh, series was set in 1896, and this is set in 1898. Yeah. And it, it I mean, it's. I haven't read the books. I've only watched the show on TV, but it's so beautifully filmed and the characters are compelled. It's dark. So, I mean, there's definitely some creepy stuff that goes on, but I just found it really compelling. And Jim and I spoke before the last episode and we both had concerns about how they were going to wrap it up. And we were both pleasantly surprised. So often Jim and I don't agree on these things. That was nice. Cool. And I will also say just on that that Dakota Fanning plays the ah. one of the leading characters and she is fantastic. I have to check it out. You've talked about it before. Okay. It's on Who's Netflix. Next? I no, don't it's on know TNT. It. TNT, got I, it. I'm yep. assuming it will be on Netflix eventually. Yeah. The first the first series, which came out a couple of years ago, is on Netflix. And uh, but I thought the and I think Beth agrees with me. I think the second series, the one that just completed yesterday, was actually better. I agree. Who's next? Me? Uh, Shelley? Or you? Or me? It doesn't matter. I can go next. Or me? I don't care. Whatever. Yeah, go, John. Okay, so I have I have a. Have we decided that we can do negative recommendations, or are we sticking with no, positive? No, we're just going to do positive for now. All right. So my positive recommendation is a podcast. I've talked about before a podcast that I like called. I'm listening to a lot of politics podcasts. I guess like everybody else, I'm getting caught up in the binary nature of our pol- political system. But I am I I really like talking politics, which I've talked about before. It's two professors from. Uh, University of Cambridge, who talk a lot about American politics, but they the, David runs them in the the male host, who's the main host. He did a, a kind of an offshoot called uh, a six pod, a six episode um, series called Talking Politics: The History of Ideas, and he goes through in each one a different kind of critical figure in the history of politics or political science or political understanding in order to get there. He goes like Mary Wollenstrafcraft is one. Um, he, um, he, he does um, Gandhi. There's a, there's a few different ones. He st- and he starts with Hobbes, Thomas Hobbes. I loved it. I mean, I don't know if I was just like kind of reliving my college lecture years because it's a total college lecture on like, it's like, you know, it's an hour, hour and a half lecture on these things, but it's so well done and well thought out and comes together so neatly. I mean, it's, it's as, it's as well packaged and put together as a solid, like, you know, nonfiction narrative novel or novel rather and nonfiction narrative. It's just very well put together. And I, I encourage it's, uh, it. And you can listen to it anytime. It's not like it gets old. Um, but it just it just finished, and I really enjoyed it. So I, uh, it's called the Talking Politics: The History of Ideas. Very good, Shelley. So to go to the opposite end of the intellectual spectrum, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would advise Shelley. We didn't give you enough points for your <laughs> sardonic sense of humor, but go no. ahead. Yes. I would advise for anybody that has an outside garden to buy a BB gun. And shoot squirrels that eat 
out of your garden and then turn around and taunt you why they have the tomato in your mouth in their mouth because I've been finding Shelley, that my I'm BB guessing gun. This was based on something you read or saw in a film, this right? Is, not no. not on personal experience. This is personal experience. I have resorted to violence in my own backyard <laughs> so my fruits of my labor I can enjoy and not let these What kind of BB squirrels. gun do you have? <laughs> I don't did know. you want to Whatever. recommend a particular brand of BB gun while we're on the subject? <laughs> no, you really yeah. don't you bought to buy a BB it on BB Amazon. <laughs> I did not. My yeah. neighbor exactly. is loaning. <laughs> My neighbor is loaning me his BB gun. Okay. Um and I it, and it's it's hysterical because I have to literally sit out greater there. Greater man hath no hath, greater love hath no man than to lend yeah. his BB gun to his neighbor. I have to sit out there and happen to catch them, but I will tell you I sat out there most of this weekend and at least four <laughs> squirrels, Jesus. they get in my garden, get on my back fence, and all of you have seen my fence except for Beth, turn around and literally face me to eat the, <laughs> eat the tomato. So, so Shelly, I have a solution for that. Human hair. Yeah. That's really? what they say. Human hair dropped into yes. it will, will keep Go away the squirrels. Go to a barber or a hair salon and ask them to keep the clippings for you. I Well, I should I just have Janine come visit for three days because she loses <laughs> half her head of hair in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Take a shot, Shelly! <laughs> She just loses her hair. I lose my hair. All of us do. You know, get your neighbor men to come over and pee back there. There's so many things I'm tempted to say that I'm not going to say. Um, I'm going to recommend. Okay, that's a a great suggestion. Thank you. It is funny to take a, you take a guy with a beard and they take a beard clipper and they literally, they clip their beard and let the shavings fall over the tomatoes. It's very funny to watch. No, you guys, wow, my okay. grandma used to do that. She shaved her beard over the tomatoes? <laughs> <laughs> no, back to Jim, back to Jim. Back to Jim. Okay, now we'll go back to the intellectual spectrum. <laughs> That's We're okay. whiplash. I'm sorry, Shelly. I, no, okay. I haven't shot any, anyone or anything recently. I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I, I guess, I guess my plan to do a surprise visit to you dressed as a squirrel would not be a good idea. Oh, you might have some welts at the end of the visit because my BB gun. Again, Shell, many things I would like to so say funny. that I was strained from saying. So I'm going to recommend two books. One is, they're both novels. One is by the uh, National Book Award winning author, James McBride. The book came out earlier this year. It's called Deacon King Kong. It recounts the people and events in a poorer section of Brooklyn in the fall of 1969. It's very funny and very touching and uh, a good read. The other book I want to recommend is a first novel by a gentleman named Brandon Taylor, which has been long listed for the Booker Prize. It's called Real Life. It uh, follows a graduate student in biochemistry at a Midwestern university who and his friends and his uh, associates and maybe some enemies and the events of one very intense weekend in their lives. And... uh, 
what Beth was referring to before, which Peggy will also remind you of, is if, if any of these recommendations are things that you, listener, would be inclined to buy on Amazon, go to our website and click on the link. And by doing so, you not only can purchase the item, but you can help support this little old podcast. All right, Peggy, time for us to say goodbye. Can you take care of that? I can. Thanks, Jim. I was actually going to just start with that. So as a reminder, it's called Amazon Affiliates. And any of our recommendations are available for sale. It helps our podcast. We so appreciate you, our listeners, tuning in faithfully, no matter what, all 12 of you. Beth, we can't thank you enough for joining us again. Super excited to hear from you and cannot wait to have you on the show again when you're retired and you're telling us what you're doing in your retirement. And uh, leave us a review on all the different avenues that are available for reviews, Apple, Stitcher, iTunes, iPod, Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, just Cupid. anywhere. We love it. <laughs> we want to hear your comments. We want to hear your suggestions, any ideas, any constructive criticism. Please keep it nice. And we'll see you in a fortnight.